Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. excited to be here? I will tell you, we could kind of just go home because from praise and worship to to Dominic to Pastor Rich, they kind of preached a lot of my sermon already, (laughs) which is good, which is good. It just means that God has a a message that he wants to get through to us tonight, right? God is good, absolutely. Let's just bow our heads and pray over the service tonight and believe that we're going to get everything we're supposed to get tonight. Father God, we love you. We come to you, Father God, and we just, we purpose to seek your face today, Father God. We purpose, Lord, to to get what you have for us tonight, Lord. We ask you to give us revelation. Open our eyes, open our hearts. Help us to see what you need us to see, Father God, and help us, Father God, to be doers of your word, Lord, to put it into action, Lord, to give us practical things to do in our lives so that we can see your word come to pass in our lives, your purpose and your plan, and we thank you for it, Father God. God, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, we're going to start off in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. So if y'all could turn there, please. I would appreciate it. For anyone who doesn't know who I am, because I'm not the one who's usually up here speaking, uh, my name is Sarah, and um, you'll often hear me called Miss Sarah in the church, and that's because I usually work with the children. So you guys get to be my children's church class today, but I apologize. I don't have any crafts or games or anything like that for you tonight. (laughs) But I will tell you um, uh, a funny story. Uh, BC, before COVID, um, we had a... (laughs) We had a class in the children's church, and we were, we were drawing together, and one of the kids in my class uh, turned to me, and she said, Miss Sarah, I'm going to draw you, and I was like, okay, and she goes, as a human, <laughs> and I was like, um, as opposed to what I generally am, a dinosaur, I don't know, how do you really, how you generally see me, um, so... <laughs> I thought that was a good time. Working with kids is always awesome. So 2 Timothy, I'm actually not going to look scriptures up. I have them here and they'll have them there. Uh, 2 Timothy 3.1 says, in the last days, perilous times shall come. Just what Rich was just talking about, right? Perilous means what? It means dangerous. You guys think that there's any danger out there right now? Have you seen the danger increase in this world? Is the danger increasing for you? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be, right? The safest place anyone can be is in the perfect will of God, right? And that doesn't matter the danger that's going on around us. I'm going to tell you, we cannot pray all of the danger out of this world. We cannot get together. Every Christian in this world cannot get together and decide that we are going to say that nothing dangerous is going to happen in this world anymore. We can't do that. Why? Because we can only pray according to the will of God, according to the word of God. And the word of God said in the last days, (laughs) perilous times will come. Dangerous times will come, right? So this world is not going to get any safer. So we have to make a decision as to what we want in our lives. Do we want to allow the world into our lives where we continue to feel less safe and less safe and less safe? Or do we want to go with what God says? 
where we're safe and secure in his word, right? Safe and secure in what he says, because he's got a whole lot of promises that tell us what our future looks like. And I don't know about you, but I would much rather have that future than the future that the world is about to go through and has been going through. The darkness is going to get darker, but the good news is the brightness, the light is going to get brighter and lighter for the, you know, the, this church has had a slogan for many years, you know, that we're, you know, we're, we're, we're above the storm, living above the storm, right? So there's a lot of storms happening on this earth. But when we are so engrossed with the light of God, with the promises of God, with the goodness of God, and when we are shining that light that Pastor Rich was just talking about, I'm telling you, we will not notice it as much, especially if we turn our Facebook off, <laughs> especially if we turn the news off, especially um, if we practice um, what is it? Um, Romans sixteen nineteen, be ignorant of evil, right? <laughs> I love that scripture. I think being ignorant of evil is good. We don't have to know every single thing that's happening in this world for us to be able to pray. That's what the gift of the Holy Spirit is for, right? We can pray uh, with, without that. But you know, in this in in this year in twenty twenty. Um, there was a prophecy that came forth, uh, several from different people that said, everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Raise your hand if you've been, you've had some shaking, you've seen some shaking. Anybody, anybody, right? All of us, we've seen a lot of shaking. And I think that we have found all about our foundation through that shaking, right? We've determined how solid our foundation actually is. When scary things started happening in this earth, did we get scared too? right? It, probably we all had the temptation, right? right? We did. You know, I mean, Miss Rachel just talked a, a couple months ago about how they bought those giant cans of corn and beans that they don't know what they're going to do with now. <laughs> and that she was disappointed in that decision, but she was also really grateful for the decisions that God helped them make from that point forward. We all had the temptation to be scared. We all had the temptation to, to, to have our, to, to see our, our foundation being shaken. We all had that happen to us. And so we got to see where we were solid, where we were standing on the solid rock, Jesus Christ, and where our foundation needed some work, right? Where we needed to get into the word and find out what did God say about this so that I am not feeling shaky. I'm not feeling scary, scared. I'm not feeling fearful or confused or any of those things. I'm not feeling like I'm dreading the future, right? Because we don't want to be dreading the future. We just got done reading the book of Revelation and read the end of the book. We win, right? (laughs) God has a plan and he has a purpose uh, for these times. And we truly were set in this time for such a time as this. God, he had billions of people to choose from as to who he wanted on this earth as Christians, spirit-filled Christians, who are going to speak the word of God over this world in the end times. And he chose you, right? He chose you for a reason. You're here for a reason. It's not an accident. So uh, be encouraged by that and, and understand that just because we might have found some worldliness in our beliefs, in our thought patterns, even in our words, that's God showing us those things so that we can change them and so we can move forward. That's not something that we need to be ashamed of or, you know, anything along those lines. When, 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 when we found our places of our foundation that needed to be fixed, that's because God was showing us where those things are so that we can move to the next level, not so that we can stay in that place and be like, you know, I still don't get it, <laughs> right? He showed us those things for a reason because he wants us to move forward. So um, 
In 2 Corinthians 10.5, we won't go there, but it says that we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God and we capture rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. We have to keep our thoughts in line with what the word of God says. And that's really, really important. So tonight, really, I just wanted to come here and I wanted to encourage you. I wanted to encourage you because truly the days that we are going into are going to be the greatest days the church has ever seen. All the amazing things we read about in the book of Acts, all the things we read about from you know Paul the apostle, um, these are the greatest days. Those people longed to see these days. They longed to see what it was going to be like in the very last days. And we are living, in case you didn't know, in the lastest of the last days that have ever been. <laughs> right? These are the, the very latest days that any of us have ever seen. So, um, and it's, it's a really, really amazing time to be on this earth. So tonight I want to talk to you about who your father is. I wanna talk to you about his heart toward you, how he thinks about you, what he wants to do in your life, his plans and his purposes for you, right? So before I do that though, in everything with God, in the promises of God, there is God's part and there is our part. And so I wanna briefly go over those things because I don't know if you know, but God's part is already done. If we're asking God to get up off of his throne and move and do something, it's not going to happen. He already did everything that needed to be done for our victory. He did all of it. We have a part to play now. And so I want to talk to you about our part briefly. Um, and in Romans 4.21, it says, Be fully convinced that what he promised, he's able also to perform. That's our part to be fully convinced that what God promised, he is able also to perform. So we have to know the promises and then we have to, con we have to allow ourselves to believe that what God said is true because God is not a liar. He is absolutely true. Um, have any of you guys ever played those claw machines that you see at like grocery stores and things like that? Yeah? yeah? So um, there are two types of people in this world. <laughs> The types of people that are more like me that waste their money and just put it in there and then shoot the thing out and nothing, and I get nothing. I've never gotten a single thing out of one of those machines ever, right? And then there are these crazy people, right, who they hone in on exactly what they want out of that machine and they figured out the system of exactly how it works. And they put their money in that machine because they know that they are coming out with that exact stuffed animal. Anybody know anybody like that? Yeah, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. rude. So, <laughs> just kidding. Um, so, those people have learned the system, right? And that's what we have to do. We have to learn God's system. We have to understand how God works because his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. But it is not supposed to stay that way. We are supposed to renew our mind to the way that he thinks and the way that he does things, right? So we're supposed to learn God's system. So briefly, before we get into some things, I want to talk briefly about God's system. The first thing we have to do, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down is we have to decide what it is we want from God. And I did not come up with this. This is Kenneth Hagin's easy few steps on God's system. So <laughs> I've learned, I've heard this many, many times. The first thing we have to do is find out what we want from God, period. 
And we have to let that be clear. We have to get clarity on exactly what that is. We can't just shoot the claw forth in the machine anywhere and, ex- and just hope that we grab God's promises and think that it's going to work that way. We have to know exactly what we want from God. You know, Kenneth Hagin said that he used to go around when he would minister at different churches and he would take polls and he would ask people questions about their faith and things like that because he wanted to learn about the state of people um, and their spirituality. And one of the things he would ask when they would ask for prayer is, what scriptures are you standing on? And he said 80% of the time they would say none in particular. And he would tell them, because he was very bold, that's exactly what you're going to get then, nothing in particular. So I ask you for the things that you want from God in your life, what scriptures are you standing on? Because you have to get clarity. You have to know exactly what it is. Because number two is you have to find in the word of God where God promised you those things. Because we can only believe for God what he promised for us. Though that, that's where our faith ends, is in the promises of God. So when we have to find out what we want from God and where God said that we can have it. That's super important. The next thing we have to do is meditate on the promises of God. In Joshua 1.8 one of my favorite scriptures. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you will meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. We have to keep God's word on our mind. We have to make sure that we allow it to get in us, right? Not just here, not just here, but in us. We have to let God's word in. Let it change us. Let it change how we respond to things. Let it change, um, you know, how we think about things. Let it truly renew us and refresh us. So the third thing is meditate on God's promises. The fourth thing we have to do is we have to ask. Yes, God already knows what we want, but his word is very clear that we have to ask. John 16, 24, until now you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Who wants full joy? We have to ask. <laughs> That's just the system. We have to know God's system. Uh, the, the, the fifth thing is we have to make sure that from this point forward, we always side with God. Once we have asked God for what we want, once we have put our faith toward it, we have to make sure that not another word comes out of our mouth that says anything else, period, ever. It doesn't matter if it takes two hours for the promise to come to pass or two years or 20 years. It doesn't matter. It will take a lot less time if we stop saying things that don't line up with the thing that we're trying to, to, to believe God for, right? We have to not allow ourselves to speak anything other than what God said from that point forward, no matter the pressure that comes against us. And one of my favorite scriptures about this is Psalm 34, 13. And in the New Living Translation, it says, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from speaking lies. Now you may think, I don't speak lies. Do you ever speak anything that's different than what God said? Because God's word is truth. So if you're speaking things, if we are speaking things, not just you, but me too. If we are speaking things that are not what God said, then we are speaking lies. If we're talking about how sick we are, how tired we are, how we don't have this or we don't have that or we're broke or anything along those lines, are any of those things true according to the word of God? Then those are lies, period. We have to make sure that we are only speaking what God said. That's so important. Every word that you speak out of your mouth about your life is a prophecy into your future. Take that seriously. Take it very seriously. 
Um, then another scripture is Psalm 103:20. Oh goodness, I love the 103rd Psalm. I do. But it says in, in verse 20, it says, bless the Lord, you his angels who excel in strength, who do his word. You all have angels. If you want to put your angels to work though, there's only one thing that you can speak out of your mouth. What is it? The word of God. You cannot speak what's happening in this world and think that your angels are doing anything. They're standing there going, oh, when are they going to speak God's word? When are they going to say something that I can do something with? right? The angels, your angels want to work in your lives. They are ministers and messengers sent to minister for you, but you have to speak God's word. It's so important. We steward the spiritual atmosphere of our lives, of our families, of our cities, of our states, of our nation. We steward the spiritual atmosphere. You know what, what Rich was talking about when it comes to Facebook, and I think this is later in my notes, so we'll figure out how to skip it then. <laughs> But um, is that when we turn on the news, when we turn on Facebook, when we see the darkness that is happening in this world, and then we go and we, you know, go to our spouse and say, hey, honey, did you hear about blah, 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 blah. You know, I can't believe what's happening in this world. This world has gone crazy. You know, these politicians are absolutely out of their minds on both sides. Trust me. <laughs> when we say things like that, when we speak that, we are using our voice that God gave us, the power that God gave us, the anointing that God gave us to side with the enemy and what he is doing in this world. We have to stop it. And if we don't have good control over that kind of stuff, if we don't have good control of our words, then we have to shut it off. We have to shut it off because you want your words and what you're saying to move forth the plans and purposes of God in your life, in your country, in your city, in your state. You do not want it moving forward the plans of the enemy. So use your voice for God. The enemy has enough voices. Every single news channel. <laughs> the enemy has enough, enough voices. He doesn't need another voice, but God does. God needs your voice. He needs you speaking good things, right? All right. So, you know, in this day and age, I think that sometimes we're all looking for something a little bit to believe in. We're looking for someone to run to when it gets tough, something that makes us feel safe. You know, when I was a little kid, I was really afraid of storms. I grew up where we had tornadoes and things like that, and I was really afraid of storms. And, um, but my mom made me feel safe. She would stay up with me, you know, she would play games with me or whatever because, the, you know, the, the wind and the thunder would be too loud and I wouldn't be able to sleep. And, but she would make me feel safe, even though in the natural, does my mother have any real power of controlling this storm? No, but she was my safe place, right? God has to be our safe place. I'm here to tell you that God wants to be your safe place. He wants to be where you hide, where all of the, the craziness of the world just goes away because you're in your safe place. And so um, I want us to turn to Psalm 23. This is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And in a time of prayer a couple of weeks ago, the Lord just opened some things up to me about this passage. And, um, and I want to share some of those things with you guys. Um, and like I said, I want to talk about the system first because the system is really important for us understanding how to operate within the promises. We have to know the system to bring the promises to pass. And this whole 
this whole passage of scripture is just a beautiful promise. It's, it's a love letter from God to you, right? And it says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. This scripture is your whole life, right? It's all those things that we need wrapped into one passage, which is so awesome. But the very first thing that it says is the Lord is my shepherd. Um, so David wrote this uh, this scripture. And um, David, of course, was a shepherd. So he had this imagery very real on the inside of him, right? He had, he had done this before. What is the very first most important job of a shepherd? Protection, right? This is a, I'm used to teaching kids, so you guys have to actually talk back to me. <laughs> Protection, exactly. Because, you know, you can lead your flock of sheep to this beautiful oasis that has all kinds of grass and water and everything, but if there's a ton of predators there and they're just going to get munched overnight, you didn't do your job, right? <laughs> protection is number one. It's really, really important. And God is saying that he is our protector, he is our shepherd. He is our protector. Psalm 91, we aren't going to go there tonight, um, but I just want to encourage you, if you have not been reading Psalm 91 lately and confessing that over your life, it is so important. It is the, the, the gold standard of protection in scriptures in the Bible, right? This is God saying this is how protection happens. Speak it over your life every single day, starting today and going forward. That it's, it's such an important thing to do in the times that we live in. And the reason why I say speak it is because I mentioned before, God's part, our part, right? This scripture makes it, Psalm 91 makes it abundantly clear what our part is. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my God, my fortress, right? In him will I trust. It specifically says we have to say it. So make sure that you're saying Psalm 90, 91. It's such, a, such an important thing. But God is our fortress, isn't that awesome? He's our safe place. You know, if you haven't yet read, I also encourage you to read Psalm 91 in the Passion Translation. Um, the Passion Translation, I think, is probably the women's new Bible. It used to be the Amplified Bible because <laughs> it's real wordy. Um, but the Passion Translation is very poetic, and it's beautiful the way that it speaks things. And I'm not, we don't have time to go through it tonight, but I just encourage you, if you're taking notes, read Psalm 91 out of the Passion Translation. You can get it online. Um, along with all the other ones. It's beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. It really just shows God's care and love for us in that. And then a scripture I really wanted to go to tonight because I really believe that the Lord led me to is Psalm 4.8. So if you guys will turn there in your Bible. And I'm going to read it up here out of the contemporary English version, but I want you to see it in your Bible. Because I believe that the Lord knows that there are people in this audience tonight, people watching online, that maybe you've had some trouble getting to sleep because there's a lot of fearful things that have happened and you've, you've been having some trouble shutting your mind off, right? And, and um, I would imagine a lot of people have had that issue. And if you don't need it, I guarantee you're going to run into some people in the world that need it. Yeah. Guarantee it. 
because they don't have the same grace on their life that we have. But we are not supposed to go to sleep in fear. The word says, I can lie down and sleep soundly because you, Lord, will keep me safe. He is a good God. He wants to take care of you. He wants to keep you safe and be your safe place. Such an important thing. So go to sleep tonight knowing that God is keeping you safe so you can go to sleep and sleep soundly. You can lay down at night and not have a worry because God Almighty, creator of the universe, is taking care of you. Praise God. Praise God. And this, by the way, is... um is not an isolated scripture. There are several scriptures that say something extremely similar to this, you know, out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, right? So God wants you to know that he will take care of you while you sleep. Allow him to give you sweet sleep. Um, so if you would for a moment, though, imagine a flock of sheep. Can you guys all do that? Everybody see it in their eyes? So <laughs> you see this flock of sheep and you're like, oh, how exciting. So you get closer. But when you get closer, you start to see that maybe, maybe a third of them are missing one of their legs because the wolf has gotten to it. And maybe the other, another third of them, their, their wool is way overgrown. They haven't been shorn. Is that the right word? Shorn? I don't know, that thing. They haven't been shaved. It. And, uh, <laughs> and so they're, they're weighed down by the weight of this extra wool and they're overheated. And another third of the sheep are, you know, they're dehydrated and they're starving. And um, what would you guys think? Is it, is it good or bad? Right? What, what, would you have, what would you do today if you saw that? You're walking along and you see this herd of sheep. What would we do? We would call animal control, right? <laughs> Would we call animal control on the sheep and be like, these stupid sheep just don't know how to take care of themselves? Would we? No. Who would you call animal control on? The shepherd, right? Because it is the shepherd's job to make sure that the sheep are well taken care of. And God has more incentive in doing that for us than any natural shepherd. Because we are the gleaming light of his goodness to the rest of this world. He wants to show forth his glory in us to everyone else. So if we let him, by speaking his word, by saying what he says and believing for good things in our lives, God things in our lives, then we will be well taken care of sheep. He will take such good care of us. And, you know, sheep that are not well taken care of, people generally don't think that their shepherd's very good. I don't know about you, but I want people to think that my shepherd is the best shepherd ever, because he is. I want to show forth how good he is. So um, the, the next part of the scripture says, I shall not lack. Praise God, right? <laughs> kind of goes right along with him being a good caretaker. In James 1.7 it says, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. So what are some good things that we don't want to lack? Yell it out to me. Food. What was over here? Health. Excellent. Water. Shelter. Clothes. Praise God. <laughs> well, what else? Anything else? Huh? Did you say Bacon. Faith, amen, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm all, no, no, that's not necessary. Just kidding. <laughs> For some people, that's necessary. So uh, we shall not lack, right? Um, other translations bring out, we shall not lack for any 
good thing. We shall not want for any good thing or be in want for any good thing. Mark Hankins says it this way, and I love it. It's in my, uh, uh, my, my scriptures that I say every day, my devotions that I say every day. He says, I shall not lack for peace. I shall not lack for ability. I shall not lack for opportunity. I shall not lack for strength. I shall not lack for health. I shall not lack for joy. And I never lack for money. I love that. Praise God, right? We do not lack for any good thing because our God is a good God and he can take care of us. He is more than enough. He is an overabundant God. He's super, super awesome. The next part, he makes me to lie down in green pastures and he leads me beside still waters. This goes right along with that because what are grass and water for a sheep? The stuff that they generally need, right? So what he's saying here, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. Is he saying that he will lead you with ease for the necessities of life, the things that you need in life. He does not want you breaking your back, trying to work day and night for the things that you need in life, for, to pay for housing and clothing and food and you know all the things that we need to live on this earth. Now, does that mean that we're not supposed to work hard? No. There's a whole lot of scriptures in the Bible about being a hard worker. (laughs) We are supposed to work hard, but it means that we are not supposed to have to do that so that we can have the necessities of life. God is saying, I want to be your provider. I want to be the one that takes care of you. I want to be the one that makes sure that you have everything that you need. I want you to put your trust and your faith in me so that I can do overabundantly above what your job could ever do, right? He is a good God. He wants to multiply the efforts that you put forth, and he wants to be able to make it. So um, Pastor Rich went to this scripture, and I'm gonna, well, he went to one a couple bit before. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, 8, which is one of my favorite, that says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you always have all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work or have an abundance for every good work. He wants you to have more than enough, not just scrape by, right? He wants the necessities of life to be easy. He wants that to be a shining light of the glory of God in your life. And this is, is, is shown forth even more so in Matthew chapter six, right? When um, he's talking about, you know, that even the heathen, they work super hard to get the things that they need in life, right? But God said, and I'm gonna read this out of the Good News translation because I like it. It says, instead of doing that, be concerned above everything else with the kingdom of God and what he requires of you, and he will provide you with all of these other things. God is our provider. We have to let him be our provider. That's the goodness of God showing up in our lives. He wants to provide for us. And in Psalm 84:11, it says, the Lord God is our sun and shield. He gives us grace and glory, and the Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. I love that. He will withhold no good thing. Now, does that mean that we can just believe for absolutely anything? Probably, probably not, okay? So if you're like a 12-year-old kid and you believe for a Lamborghini, <laughs> that might not be a good thing yet, right? <laughs> so we have to make sure that we, um, that we are putting our faith in what God said and make sure that we are using it 
for the right things, right? We, um, that doesn't mean that as an adult with a perfectly sound driving record that you can't believe for a Lamborghini, knock yourself out. God wants you to have, he gives you the desires of your heart if that's your thing, whatever. But, um, but you know, there are certain people that maybe they shouldn't have that. You know, like I, I remember people um, back when I was younger believing to win the lottery. Well, you know, eight, I think it's 80% of people who win the lottery go bankrupt after just a couple of years. So maybe that's not always a good thing <laughs> because we haven't learned how to handle money at that level. It just fell into someone's lap and clearly they couldn't handle it. God knows what we can handle, but don't let his delays be no's. His delays may just be, you need to learn a little bit, you, need, you know, but he never delays necessity. The things that you need in life, that's just him taking care of you, right? He loves you. Next part of this says, he restores my soul. You know, you might not realize this, but before God Almighty became your shepherd, you had a shepherd. He was mean. <laughs> and he caused hurts and he caused pains. He caused all kinds of, of, of sad things to happen in our lives and ways for us to be insecure and all kinds of things. The devil is, you know, if you're not in God's kingdom, you're in the devil's kingdom. That's what the word of God says. Um, it doesn't mean that, you know, people are, you know, out there all worshiping the devil or anything. It just means that that's the rule and the operation that you were under. You're under the curse, right? And bad things happen under the curse, but we are no longer under the curse when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. And so he restores our soul. He heals all of those wounds. He heals all of those hurts. He provides shalom. Right, Gary? <laughs> what is shalom? It is perfect peace. It is nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. It is the perfection of peace and wholeness and completeness in our lives. God does that for us. And he does it for us for the main reason that he loves us. But on a secondary thing, he wants us again to be shining lights for other people. He wants those sheep to say, I want to be in that sheepfold. That sheepfold, they, they look happy. They look well taken care of. They look like they're not scared. They're, they're, they're calm and happy and running around. I want that sheepfold. That's what God wants. We are supposed to be beacons of his goodness. And so that's what he wants for us. He wants that perfect shalom. So when we come into his kingdom, he heals those things. In Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. I'm going to skip just a little bit. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, the chastisement for our peace, our wholeness, our completeness, our shalom, that word is shalom, was on him, and with his stripes we are healed. Praise God. In the death, burial, and resurrection, in the suffering that Jesus went through, and his victory when he rose up out of that grave and took the keys of hell and death, he provided victory for every single one of us in every single situation. God says we win how often? Always. Always. Absolutely always. Praise God. In Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3, it says, You will keep him in perfect peace, perfect shalom, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Praise God. Let's be a beacon for the rest of these sheep. They need it. They need to know that there's a different life, a life that's not filled with terror every single day, every single night, that's wondering, 
you know, what's going to happen next? You know, I saw a meme the other day of somebody pouring um, water on, is it Miyagi? Is that the little gremlin dude? Is that its name before, you know, the gremlins came? No good, you know. Um, they were talking about July. And that's not going to be what it's like, though, right? But that's what the world thinks. They, they see this, and they just are like, things are just getting worse. What could possibly happen next? We need to be thinking about it differently. What could God do next, right? How is God going to show up like every single scripture that we read in this Bible, every single story that happened in this Bible, they're all real. Every single one of them, at some point, God shows up and changes everything. Are you expecting it? Right? God is about to show up on this earth and he is about to change things. And it's going to be amazing. We need to be expecting that. Praise God. I will fear no evil for you are with me. You know, what? yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. What is a shadow? There's shadows in here. It's darkness that can't hurt you. Unless you, unless you let it in, right? The devil likes to hide things in these shadows, and then he tries to get the shadow in you, the fear in you, and then he uses that to move forward. But a shadow in and of itself cannot hurt you. It can't. We have to make sure that we do not let the fear in. Fear is not of God. Fear is of the enemy, every last bit of it. It is the way that the devil tries to access our lives. It is the number one tool that he uses to try to get access into our lives. Do not look at it as something that's just like, oh, you know, you know, you know, I can't help but be afraid. Yes, you can. There are 365 commandments from God in this Bible, at least, that say, do not be afraid, do not fear, or some version of that. The Bible says out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. Do you think God meant it? <laughs> if he put it in the Bible that many times, he meant it. And he didn't mean it because he didn't want you to, you know, he, he wanted to control your emotions or anything. He meant it because he didn't want you to give the devil any place in your life. He wants you to have that firm foundation. And, you know, the, the foundation of fear is no foundation at all. The devil can pull that rug right out from under us when we are in fear. Um, you know, just like Job said, the thing that I greatly feared had come upon me. Don't be afraid of that. Just, <laughs> just, just stop. You, and the only way you stop is by getting into the word of God and replacing those thoughts. As I already mentioned, we have to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, right? Every single one of them. We have to, when, when the devil says, this is going to happen, we find the word of God that says, no, no, this is going to happen. And we speak that out of our mouths instead. We have to do that. We have to bring those thoughts into captivity. And, you know, there's some really great teachings. Pastor has some great teachings about not fearing. Keith Moore has some great teachings. If you have to, just immerse yourself in it until it's in you, until you get it, that fear cannot stay in your life. You have to get it out. It's, it's, it's life or death to get fear out of our lives. But, you know, God had some really great things to say about why we don't have to fear. Luke 10, 19. I love Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, who can be against us? 2 Timothy 1, 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Praise God. God has a lot of things to say about what he has given us. He's given us the mind of Christ, right? He's given us the unction from the Holy One, and we know all things. 
We know everything we need to know when we seek God. He's so good like that. All right. The next one is your rod and your staff, they comfort me. This is my favorite part of this, this scripture. I read a commentary years and years ago that explained that the rod and the staff, what that meant. And it's the word of God. The rod is the word of God and the staff is the spirit of God. Your word and your spirit, they comfort me. How could it not? The word of God is alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The word of God is our offensive weapon that we get to shoot into this world and change things. We get to line up with what God said, right? So that when, we, when our words agree with his words, then our angels go forward, angels move forward, and other angels move forward, and God is able to accomplish goodness in this world. This is a mighty weapon, right? It's, it's amazing. And the spirit, you know, in um, Second Corinthians, nope, sorry, Ephesians 3.20, when we get done praying those Ephesians prayers, in Ephesians 3.20, it says, your spirit is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think. That's a lot of power. That's pretty awesome, right? We have the most mighty arsenal that we could ever imagine. But what is it for? 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to pull down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I know that's the third time I've gone to that scripture in some form or another, but because it's so important. It's so important. We see the evil going on in this world. We see the darkness, but we are not powerless against it. God has given us the greatest weapons that have ever existed in any way, shape, or form. He's given us the authority. He's given us the power. He's even given us not just our own words to say. He wrote down his words, right? The, the power of Almighty God decided they're probably going to need to know what I would say in this situation. <laughs> he gave us that so that we can just say what he would say, so we can speak the perfect will of God out of our mouths. I, how could that not bring us comfort to know that we have that kind of arsenal, to know that we are, we are not weaponless. We have the best weapons that could possibly be. Praise God. In Jeremiah 32, 27, it says, Behold, I am the Lord, God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? Thinking about what's in your life right now, is anything too hard for God? Absolutely nothing is. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What is on that table? Sometimes people get confused by this part of the scripture. What's on the table? How about the communion, bread and wine, the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, his death and resurrection, his victory, which is our victory, is on that table. Our place seated with Jesus at the right hand of the Father. Our authority as a believer is on that table. The mighty name of Jesus Christ that every knee will bow to and every tongue will confess. The gifts of the Holy Spirit, the portal to the windows of heaven where God pours us out such a blessing that we don't even have room enough to receive it, that is on that table. Life, and life more abundantly, that's not just any kind of life, that's zoe, that's the word. It's the God kind of life, right? Life and life more abundantly, the God kind of life and the God kind of life more abundantly is on that table. The blessings of Abraham are on that table. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, for the promises of God, excuse me, for all of the promises of God 
in him are yes and amen to the glory of God through us. Praise God. Every promise. You know, some people will say, you can't just read through the Bible and pick out a promise and call it yours. Yeah, you can. <laughs> not every dispensation, like, like Rich was saying, not everybody could do that throughout all time. Certain things were written to certain people at certain times. But when Jesus died and rose from the dead, he called it done, every promise of God done for each and every one of us. Praise God. We do get to go through and find these promises, and we do get to claim them as our own. All the promises of God are yes and amen in him. Don't let the devil mess with you on that or anything, but <laughs> uh, you anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. The anointing is the power and ability of God. The anointing breaks every yoke, according to uh, Isaiah 10, 27. What is a yoke? It's something holding you back, something holding you in bondage. The anointing breaks that. He anoints your head with oil. He pours it over you. The power of the Holy Spirit, the ability of God, he pours it over you into your life and it overflows out of you into the lives of others. Praise God. It's so good. He designates you and separates you as a king and a priest to rule and reign in this life. Hallelujah. He separates you for a reason. In 2 Corinthians 6, 17, it says, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. You know, we are not meant to live like this world, just dressed more conservatively. I know I've said that before, but I believe it very strongly. We are not supposed to just be living like everybody else, but, you know, with an undershirt, right? <laughs> or a longer skirt on. That's not what our lives are supposed to look like. Our lives are supposed to look different because we are operating off of a different system, we're operating off of the system that God has set forward for us. We're operating off of something completely different that the world cannot understand. They just cannot. We are supposed to be separate. We are supposed to get rid of the worldly ways of thinking. We have to do that. That will always cause a shaky foundation when we think like the world. And I know that people really like to watch TV and movies and things like that, and to a point, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you're watching enough of those things that it is allowing that is changing how you think about how this world works, then you have to shut it off. Because you can't, you can't take the risk of thinking like this world thinks. We have to think like God thinks. And we already lived in this world long enough, most of us, that we already learned how to do some of that stuff. So we have to unlearn it, right? <laughs> we have to make sure that we're in the word of God long enough that we unlearn it. So praise God. Um, we have to make sure that we're using the anointing in our lives for good, not for the enemy's agenda, but for God's agenda. Like I said before, make sure that we are not speaking what God is doing or what the enemy is doing in this world, but speaking what God is doing, speaking what God says. In Mark chapter 16, verse 17 and 18, it says, these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, serpents, nope, serpents. <laughs> and if they drink any deadly thing, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Who is this scripture talking about? Every single one of us, right? I want you guys to repeat after me. I am anointed. The power of God flows through me. I lay hands on the sick and they recover. I am a vessel to transfer God's peace and healing to hearts, minds, and bodies. I am a vessel to transfer wealth and prosperity. Why? Because I got the power. 
Thank you. Thank you. There. Thank you. All right. Praise God. So John 14, 12 says, most assuredly, I say unto you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, will he do also and greater works that will he do because I go to my father. We are to do the greater works. I hope that we are preparing our hearts for that, preparing ourselves for that. Greater works are about to flow. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. You and I are destined to be examples of how good of a caretaker that God is. We are. That is our destiny, to be shining lights for the goodness of God. God's glory is his goodness manifested in this earth. I don't know about you, but I'm expecting God's glory. Are you expecting God's glory to show up? I'm expecting it. Praise God. These are the times that we live in, the times where we expect to see the former and the latter rain pour out. The, the clouds of God's glory are heavy. They are ready to burst open. I truly believe and I hope that you will, that I hope that this witness is with you in your spirit, but I truly believe that we are about to see the mightiest move of God that has ever been seen on this earth. The, the signs and the wonders and the miracles are going to pour down through God's people, through you, not just through pastor, through you, in church, in the grocery store, in the streets, every single area that you are in your workplace, there's going to be a different level of power and not just by a little bit. Things are going to change for the church and that's why we aren't going to notice the darkness so much because we are going to be caught up with the light that is happening in this earth. We are going to be caught up with what God is doing in this world. Praise God. He is so good. We have to keep our focus on what God is doing. The light of God is about to burn so bright that what this world is doing will be irrelevant. We should say that. What the, word is, what the world is doing is irrelevant because, because what God is doing is what matters. What God is doing is what matters. Amen. Praise God. We don't have time for both. We don't have time for both. So let's stick with God. Let's stick with him. Right? Praise God. Let's pray. Father God, we love you so much, Father God. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word, Father. We purpose to see your goodness in our lives. We purpose, Father God, to see your glory in our lives, Lord. We ask, uh, ask you, Lord, to help us, Lord, to, to put practical things into place, Father God, to take steps in the next hours, in the next days, in the next weeks, Father God, to seek you, to seek your face, to seek what you're doing, Lord, to open ourselves up. We love you so much, Father God, and we praise you, and we just purpose to be willing vessels to be used of you, Lord. Use us. Thank you for it, Father God. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab. 